Would you get your Bibles, please, and open up to the Gospel of John. John chapter 8, we're going to be beginning in verse 31 this morning. And when you get there, would you please stand with me as we read God's Word. John chapter 8, verse, beginning in verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Have a seat. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray, thank you for your true word. Help us by your Holy Spirit today to humbly and teachably understand and to behold our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Hopefully you all are familiar with the name and life of John Newton, The man we know is the one who wrote the famous hymn that we often sing here at church, Amazing Grace. But before he ever came to a point of penning those words, he was, as he has said of himself, I sinned with a high hand, and I made it my study to tempt and seduce others on every occasion. John Newton was a naval sailor on British ships, back in the slave trade of the late 1700s. It was during one of these voyages to Africa to pick up slaves and deliver them, where his employer and his employer's wife treated him functionally as a slave. 
he wasn't really free. Now, <laughs> you would think that being treated in such an undignified way, seeming to get what it was coming to him, a wake-up call almost, being regarded as property and not a person, would move Mr. Newton to call out to God for help. But you can guess, he didn't. Though he was cruelly mistreated, he only became more resolved to become the master of his own faith, the captain of his own soul, to find his own way to freedom. See, John Newton had a rough patch in his life, but he thought he was secure, thought he was okay. And the Jews in this passage we read today thought they were secure and okay too. But were they? Are you? Am I? Have we found the way to freedom? Or do we just think we have? Today's passage reveals that there is only one way to freedom. Jesus is the only way to true freedom. In John chapter 8, verse 30, it says, As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Well, if Jesus is the only way to true freedom, and we and they profess belief in him, how do we distinguish true belief from false belief? First, we must abide in the truth. Jesus said to the Jews, verse 31, who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is the test of a true disciple of Jesus. You say you believe in Jesus? Great! Praise God! Abide in his word. How do we abide we don't use that word very much. <laughs> First, we must learn what Jesus' word is. How can you abide in something you don't know? We must learn what Jesus' word is. We must read God's word. We must study God's word. We must know it. We must be intimately acquainted with it. We also must trust it. Like Linda said, this is not a book full of lies. It records some people lying. It, but it truthfully records that. This is a book of truth. It's not, and this book is not a bunch of fairy tales made up by people trying to control other people. It's a book written by God through human authors to show us the way to freedom. It's a book that displays his son. Do we trust what he has to say? And if we do, then we need to obey what he has to say. I spoke a couple weeks ago that it's foolish to try to get to know Jesus and keep the Bible closed. We should know Jesus by his word being opened and read. There are times to obey Jesus and obey his word by keeping his word open in front of us, looking at him, beholding him. And we're doing that right now, listening to his word. 
there are other times where we need to put the book down. After we've learned what Jesus has to say and we need to go do it. James says a man who looks in his mirror and walks away and forgets what he's like, that's like a person who looks at the word, hears it, and then goes away and doesn't do it. We are to be hearers and doers of God's word. And Jesus says that when we learn, when we trust, and when we obey God's word, that's when we abide in his word. We show ourselves to be true disciples, true followers, true believers of his. And when we abide, we will know the truth. <laughs> that's another question. What is the truth? This verse, this, these two verses get taken out of context so much in our day. Basically, it's used as a, a promotion of education. If you would just learn the facts, then you would be free from ignorance. Well, okay, maybe. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. What is the truth that Jesus is talking about? Jesus is talking about the truth of salvation. Jesus is talking about who he is and what he's about, what his mission is. Later, Jesus is going to say it very clearly. He's going to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This isn't just facts. This is reality. And as we embrace the saving reality of Jesus as the only way to true freedom, we experience freedom ever increasing until we are with him in his glory. Have you ever obeyed the commands of Jesus Christ and felt more free? There is a feeling and experience of genuine freedom when you obey the commands of Christ. Many people today are cynical that about any lasting or permanent change in someone's life by believing in Jesus. We have churches filled with people, perhaps people even in this church, whose lives don't seem to change from when they said they believed until today. Well, Jesus here says that if you are truly his disciple, you will abide in the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is guaranteed permanent change. The truth Jesus brings will set us free. So we must abide in it. We must abide in the truth. But that brings a question, doesn't it? Why would Jesus describe salvation truth? Why would he describe himself as the only way to freedom? Well, it implies that before believing that there is bondage, slavery. And the Jews Jesus was speaking to had picked that up. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will be, you will become free? Second, we must admit the truth. Why did they respond this way? They, it says they believed in him, and then they respond, and then he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they, Jesus tells them that, and what do they, how do they respond? They cite Abrahamic lineage. They cite genealogy. 
And they put forward the claim, false by the way, that they have never been enslaved to anyone. And then they scoff at Jesus' words, you will become free. The truth is that they already think that they're free. They think they don't need Jesus to do it for them. And that's why Jesus responds the way he does. In verse 34, he says, Truly, truly, and there's that special pay attention phrase, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Did you hear that? Jesus says that this is by no means a merely Jewish problem. Now, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And actually, the Greek woodenly reads, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So let me ask you, have you ever sinned? Ever lied just like these guys did? Just did? Ever stole? Ever lusted? Ever got drunk? Jesus says that everyone, you and I, is a slave to sin unless we repent, unless we admit the truth. The kind of sinning he's talking here about here is a sinning that does not turn to God for freedom. This is a sinning that just keeps on keeping on thinking that we're just fine, or that was just a little one, that was just a little white lie. We must admit the truth. (laughs) Sinning is not the actions or the state of a person who is free in God's economy. Sinning is slavery. We should not read this and miss how awful this is. Slavery has been universally understood to mean a diminishment of personhood, a stripping away of dignity, even if slave property was treated well. That's what sin does. Sin controls our lives. It demeans our personhood. Sin diminishes our capacity to accurately and brightly display the image of God, which we were made to do to reflect his glory to the creation around us. Sin mangles us to almost beyond recognition. And with sin, we mangle others and despise God. It is anything but free. Free love of this day, slavery. The wages of sin is death, the book of Romans says. And if we don't admit the truth of this, if we don't come to understand how devastating this is, any profession of belief that comes from our mouths is worthless. That's why Jesus can say in verse 37, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham. I know that you have a genealogical record to prove it. Yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. We have zero room in our lives for God's word if we are sinning. 
And we'll keep trying to say how we're saved like the Jews here did if we don't repent and believe him and abide in his word. No, Jesus, you don't get it. The Jews said, Abraham really is our father, genealogically and spiritually. We're secure. Jesus, you don't get it. My family has been coming to this church since I was five. I signed a card that said I believed. I raised my hand when they asked if I believed. But does his word find a place in you? Are you abiding in his word? Are you receiving his grace? If not, like the slave in the house, you will not remain in God's household forever. It's clear as day. The slave will not remain in the house forever. So what can we do? Who can remain in the house forever? The son. If we are slaves in sin, we only have one way available to us. The son who makes us free. Jesus is the only way to true freedom. Slaves in that day couldn't just proclaim their own freedom, and neither can we. We can't just say, I'm done with sin, I'm quitting cold turkey. We require the true son of the family to make us free. We must admit the truth of sin, and we must admit the truth that the Son and the Son alone can truly make free. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 34, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The Son remains forever. So if the Son sets you free, what? You will be free indeed. What does that mean? When we believe Jesus, when we abide in his word, we will know the lasting and permanent change of freedom. When we are set free from the slavery to sin, we are no longer called slaves, but sons and daughters in the household of God. How does Jesus the Son set us free? He comes and he takes our slavery upon himself. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And he did this by going to a criminal's cross that we deserved to die a death. We should have died as slaves so that we could die to sin. We could die to ourselves and our self-justification and we could live as freed sons and daughters of the Almighty God. Do you know what that is? That is amazing. It is real. And Jesus says, I can set you free. We must admit the truth. Jesus is the only way to true freedom. We must abide in the truth. We must admit the truth. But in order for us to have either abiding in Jesus as the only way to freedom, freedom which follows believing Jesus, much less any benefit from admitting the truth of our slavery and Jesus' ability to set us free, 
Thirdly, we must love the truth. Verse 41. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. We must love the truth. We must love Jesus. We must want to serve him. We must want to do what he wants. We must rejoice in his salvation. If you really love someone, don't you think about them often? Don't you think, talk well of them? Don't you seek their benefit? Don't you seek to bless them if you love them? And Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If we love him, we will seek to please him. We will, we will admit the truth. We will abide in him. That's antithetical to what these guys want. These guys want to kill the guy they're supposed to love. Why? This is where the rubber really, really hits the road in the Gospel of John. In fact, many are so uncomfortable with this that they want to say that it is not part of Scripture. God, help us to hear this rightly. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6 says that true love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with what? The truth. And the truth is that God is not the only father, and not everyone is a child of God. We have one father, even God, they said after slandering his, his unknown background. Many in our world today are fond of this claim. And they use it this way. We are all God's children. And they, maybe you, mean that every human being is a child of God. Now, there is a sense in which that is true. For human beings are created as God's image bearers. And Adam, our first ancestor, is called in Scripture a son of God. But there is a much bigger sense in which that statement is not true at all. And it becomes very unhelpful and condemning even to call people children of God when they are following another father. To say that they are children of God when they are gladly following another father's desires is to lie to them. And in this passage, lying is the participation in Satan's work from which you and I have been rescued. Why should anyone believe that they are slaves to sin if the church tells them that they're already God's children? God's children are the ones who are set free. The truth is that, and this has been escalating here in this passage, 
And Jesus finally comes right out and says it. The truth is that those who are currently rejecting Jesus and continuing in their rejection of Jesus are of their father, the devil. This should terrify us. 1 John 3 verse 8 says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning, that is, they do not turn from sin, but they practice it. They keep going in it. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And Jesus says, You are of your father the devil, and your will, your craving, is to do your father's desires. So let me ask a question Do our hearts not break for the lost who think they're fine? who are trapped in lie after lie, among whom we all once were. Our sons and daughters, our parents, our spouses, our co-workers, our friends, our next-door neighbors and their kids, our classmates, are stuffed in the trunk of Satan's hearse and driving for hell. And because they crave, which is what Jesus uses here in verse 44, to do what the devil desires, they don't even know that they're in the coffin in the back of his car. And he makes that clear when he says the reason why you, verses four, verse 47, the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. We must love the truth. So here's the question, and you're probably thinking, how in the world, Jesus, do we love this truth? Only in this way. It's Jesus who's saying this. It's not anybody else. If it were anybody else, we should never ever believe this kind of garbage, but it's not garbage because the Son of God who sets free said it. The reason, it's Jesus saying it. This is the reason he came to save sinners who didn't know they needed rescue, who didn't know that they were enslaved, spiritually dead, the scripture says. The very act of Jesus saying this to opposing Jews and to us means that God the Father intends to fill every room in his household with the laughter and the joy of free children set free from the devil, set free from lies and lying, set free from slavery to sin, set free from any worthless reason that we would use not to give our whole lives to the Lord God Almighty who has revealed His salvation to us, unworthy us, in Jesus Christ. Love the truth and, set, and be set free.
And church, love the truth enough to tell the truth. The saving truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to true freedom. There is no other way. And praise God for it. John Newton didn't stay a slave. He didn't stay secure in himself. He didn't stay in lies. He wrote in his autobiography, March 21st is a day for me to remember. On that day, the Lord of heaven delivered me out of deep waters. Though some things in his life changed more slowly than others. And we can all attest to that, those of us who believe in Christ. Some things we wish we'd just get rid of. But God's still sanctifying us and helping us work and chug through them with him. Though he had some of those things, he had been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he was able to abide in the truth, admit the truth, and love the truth so much that he would write a confession that we sing, Amazing Grace! How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Jesus is the only way to true freedom. We must abide in the truth. We must admit the truth. We must love the truth. And we will, as Jesus promised, know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Indeed. 